Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show, sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Tolman and Weicker. Yeah, Tolman and Weicker. Hey, I've got breaking news. What? Yes. Uh, they were just named as the number one best place to work in Santa Barbara, Ventura, and San Luis Obispo County by Pacific Coast Business Times. It's not that that really surprises me, but I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. It, you know, what's what's cool about it is is that the employees rated the businesses, the, you know, all the businesses uh, in the Tri-County area, or the 805, as we say, and uh, they came out number one, but they're also ranked as one of the top 100 U.S. insurance brokers. So they've got a lot of recognition. But the thing that surprised me was they've been in Ventura since 1923. That is such an amazing, uh, uh, what is that, longevity. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the show, we've got startups and we've got people who are like, are they going to make it to next month, right? You know? And <laughs> what, what's, what's, what's the opposite of a startup? Yeah. <laughs> Tolman and Weicker. Tolman and Weicker. Right. <laughs> right. And so they, but they've got offices in Santa Maria, Westlake Village, Bakersfield, Los Angeles, Salinas. So I just want to congratulate them. Greg. And, and that whole crew, they provide a great culture for the team, and they've been a great supporter of the show. We want to thank them a lot and, and wish them. with this, In this new um, project at uh, Pacific Coast Business Times, of giving recognition is a really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. We, and we, we would like to give that recognition right now. They are our favorite insurance company. They sure are. Absolutely. Voted number one by Mark well, and Patrick. We, <laughs> well, you know, they, uh, they're the insurance company for TEDx Santa Barbara. And speaking of TEDx Santa Barbara, I'd like you to meet our guest, John Gerke, who's the founder of Caribbean Coffee and Bonafide Brewing and uh, and kind of multi-year sponsor of TEDx Santa Barbara. Thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Mark. I, I, I remember the first time we did, it was TEDx Live. We did a simulcast uh, down at the Narrative Loft and uh, Spencer shows up in a truck with this mammoth bicycle cart that looked like one of those ice cream carts that, you know, has the big refrigerator on it. And we schlepped that thing up the stairs. Oh, he yeah. finds out there's, there's no, no elevator. elevator. There's no elevator. Yeah. And he yeah. schleps this thing up there. And it's like, what is this? And he goes, it's commitment oh, to brand. my God. And, and that was the first time I'd ever had um, nitro coffee. And he had this Vietnamese coffee, and which would you say it was like crack for adults? For kids, crack for kids. <laughs> oh my God! So, so that's what we're going to talk about. I want to hear crack all, for kids. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, I can't yeah, wait. It's also known as bona fide crap crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, how long have you been doing Caribbean coffee? Wow. So I get asked that a lot, and it's hard for me to even hear myself say it. Uh-oh. I started Caribbean Coffee Company in 1986. The yeah. opposite think, of a startup. Yeah, I think I was three. <laughs> 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 I, I was a little older than that. But um, yeah, so it's been 30 years last June. So coming up on Congratulations. Yeah, thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. That, that's a very big deal. In fact, I remember um, last year's sponsor logo 
that we put up on the site had that big third. The 30 year, yeah, yeah, that was very, very cool. Now, so you've been doing, you roast out in Goleta, so you've got your own roasters, you've got all of that. I, I love the smell of walking into your shop. Oh, I love, I mean, who doesn't love that, that smell? And I, my first uh, experience with that was I was the chef at Hills Brothers Coffee Company in San Francisco okay. <laughs> in 1972. Wow. Yes. I think I think somewhere there's got to be a listener with with like a some kind of graph up on the wall of all of the different jobs you've ever held, Mark. <laughs> and they just they just drew another red string down They're, to like Hey, I know exactly where you worked because uh, when I first started my company, I had a partner at the time and he took a picture of me standing up looking into the window of the Hills Brother building. Oh my god. Like a Sunday wow. afternoon. Nice. <laughs> the uh, yeah, it was uh, it's on the Embarcadero yeah, in San Francisco exactly. and the kitchen was on the roof and oh, wow. I would come in at uh, four in the morning and that uh, the security guard would open the door and that smell which is just like oh, yeah. oh man I just it, it, do you get tired of that so, so I, I don't get tired of it but I do you know eventually not notice it and then I'll go on vacation or travel for two or three days I come back and it's like wow this place smells good <laughs> and by the end of the day I don't even notice again so well, what's been your favorite over 30 years it's been is there a favorite part of it, the business? Um, so I've done pretty much every part of it. I mean, started out with uh, myself and a business part the t- partner at the time, focused on office coffee service and restaurants oh. and hotels and, and that sort of thing. We had retail coffee carts at UC campus. Uh, we started the Santa Barbara Roasting Company, which I eventually sold. You st- and yeah, oh, I did. Oh, yeah, breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 1993. I sold. So yeah, I'm yeah, glad so. that we finally got caught up with that headline. <laughs> it's funny though; a lot of people still associate us with uh, the Roco. So well, that means um, that you sold it to some people who have done well, it. Well, I sold it to my business partner, and so go. he continues. To, his son runs it today. So it's uh, yeah, it was just a. But yeah, back to your question. I've done all these different aspects of coffee. Caribbean Coffee Company has been focused on specialty coffee to the food service business. Okay. So we've always been kind of a B2B enterprise. Because that was before 86. That's that's, that's before really the, the craft coffee shop. Starbucks or, had five stores. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah uh. it was, so, you know, for, for many years it was a lifestyle business for me and um, it was beautiful. And Explain I, what you mean by lifestyle well, business. Well, to be able to live in Santa Barbara. You know, Got I started it. a company that I... I knew very little about coffee at the time. I was 22, and I just wanted to, I knew as an entrepreneur I needed to do something, and I'd save some money, and so I threw in with this other guy, and we started this business. And at the time, we didn't really know what coffee was going to do. We didn't know it was going to blow up. <clears throat> and so to it be a lifestyle a, business. Another drink. It was just something that people. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we found very quickly we could make this beautiful elixir and impress people. And uh, wow, we built a business out of it. That's an important part of it. 86, because yeah. because most people kind of just assume coffee's always been here. But right. like, yeah. 86. In you, 86, you could find a cappuccino machine in like three places in Santa Barbara. Yeah, right. the vast majority, right, is yeah. everybody's just drinking drip yeah. coffee. And that's just a diner coffee. Yeah. And that's it. Our first wholesale account was San Isidro Ranch. Huh. So basically, we were signed to people who appreciated better, better I coffee. bought the first Gaja machine in Santa Barbara. Really? Yeah. Like a commercial machine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we didn't carry Gaja. <laughs> we carried like three other brands. Yeah, 1978. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So from there, we, you know, we, we just kind of just surfed the, the business. And so in about, I don't know, mid-2000s, I woke up one day and realized that, you know, I've been spending way too much time on my boat and Flying my airplane, cool places, and Again, I realized the that business. yeah, I realized that hey, I had to really decide what I was going to do. The industry was was maturing; it was becoming competitive, 
And I realized that to some degree I was bored, and that's why I kind of mm. allowed myself to mm-hmm. drift away. Because, you know, commercial or wholesale business is, is pretty much same thing, same place, same time. And, yep. and you show up with yep. good service and product. And so I started keeping an eye on what's the next cool thing happening in coffee. And I, I, I had to say it was cold because in 1986. It was cold. Cold coffee. Got it. In 1986, you couldn't do a marketing study on cold coffee in America. Didn't was, exist. Didn't exist. Nobody was, was drinking cold. And then by the by the mid nineties, you know, you saw ice blendeds and things like that taking on, which are very sweet and creamy and very aimed towards chill, you know, young young people. Sure. I remember having my first uh, mocha frappuccino, and 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 somebody's just like, "Are you enjoying that milkshake?" And I was like, "No, no, no this is a this is a coffee drink." No, no, you're having a milkshake. That's yeah, a mil- that's exactly. a, you're drinking right. a giant milkshake, and <laughs> and then we found out how many calories were in it. And we're like, oh, oh my god. Yeah, right. This is a, I need a cold brew. But I think it actually it started the whole cold coffee revolution. So so then we see you know younger younger generations you know thriving to cold beverages, and coffee's being one of them. And so I was looking at that, and I said, you know, I'm all about authenticity. I like really authentic beverages. I like. I'm a coffee purist to some degree. And I don't, it's not that I don't like sweet, creamy things. It's just that to me, if you can make a really authentic beverage yep. taste great, that's a foundation for a lot of other, you know, growth. So I started focusing on how can I make cold coffee better? And I developed a technology that we call Craft Draft that we now put cold coffee in a keg. And <clears throat> our technology allows that keg to be stable and, um, be distributed around the country. So, so let's let's unpack that. Sure, <laughs> the mouthful there. Um, <clears throat> so it's how can I make cold coffee better? What was what were the problems with it? Well, so c- cold coffee at let's say let's go back into the early part of two, the two thousands and cold coffee was pretty much yesterday's coffee pulled over ice. ice. Yeah, no, right, exactly. Com- there's this process called cold brewing that's been out there for since the 60s the Egyptians. at least. I don't know exactly who found it. You may, may know about that. So this idea that, you know, you can take any, you know, water will br- extract anything. So right. you leave it long enough in water, it doesn't yep. matter the temperature, it's going to extract. Yeah. So I looked at that process and I thought, okay, well, I understand why people do it. It takes hours, 12 to 16, 20 hours to cold right. brew coffee. Right. But to me, I don't see that as, a, as adding value to cold coffee because you end up with a product that's very um, oxidized. <clears throat> it's lost a lot of its interesting taste characteristics. It's primarily smooth in taste. And so people like that. It tastes smooth. doesn't have these, you know, um, nuanced flavors that are spiky right. or right. acidic. Right. Which, like, just like wine. It's like red wine. So... I like to say that cold coffee brewing, it, the way it's typically done in America, is like leaving your Cabernet Sauvignon out overnight with the cork off. You flatline all those nuanced flavors. Mm. But it's smooth. But it is smooth, <laughs> you're right. And it's still wine. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, right. so right. I, I don't get in this argument that you know, cold, you know, cold brew coffee is bad. I just I think there's a better way to do it. And so I put my hand to the plow and worked on that for a few years and developed a technology so we could produce a better tasting cold coffee that actually um, never sees air until you pull the tap handle. So our whole process protects the product from um, the degradation of air. It's anaerobic. Oh. So is, is that the right way to say it's anaerobic? That's why I mumbled Without it rather than saying it. Is that fair to say? No, but is that fair? It's in an anaerobic environment. So yes, I mean, there's no... So we use nitrogen as the... Um, as the propellant, it also provides a, 
caring blanket around the product while it's in the container. A caring blanket around the product. That's, <laughs> That's comforting. Not so warm and fuzzy. Describing this, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm well, wait, wait. I can go further. So, so my my business partner Spencer likes to say that um, the uh, the it protects the the uh, coffee angels. So okay. They don't. Leave the party. That that <laughs> sounds like, like, like that sounds like Spencer. Nice cozy water. I like the carrying blanket. I, just blanket. Yeah. I so. my I love the fact that when I was teaching up at SBCC, um, this this was our stand. This was the standard of the of the of the cold coffee that you would get at SBCC. Is that there's a keg at the at the at the dining hall where you go in and, and at the coffee stand, they kind of like can make whatever coffee you want, but they've got just this cold tap there, and you're like, oh, I'll take oh this is. That being the standard for your everyday, it kind of wrecks you for the rest of your <laughs> exactly. life. You know, well, exactly what you were saying about about the the that's yesterday's coffee po- poured over some ice, and this w- this one coffee cart came up with the innovation of 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 making ice cubes out of yesterday's coffee as well. So it was a double batch of old coffee. Yeah, but you <coughs> changed all that. So I changed all that, and so we have uh, um, intellectual property on that technology, and so. We so you're not interested in turning that into like a, like the homebrew style where you're um, trying to like I wouldn't say it. that. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm also not going to add to what I'm thinking. Um, so we have a lot of places we can take this, and okay. so um, that's been my passion for the last six years. Mm-hmm. And um, I've fiddled with a few different cold coffee projects, but settled on this what we call craft draft, bona fide craft draft, and our most viable product right now is in the keg. We definitely have plans of doing some single-serve cans or bottles and some other size containers as we go forward. But well, the big when you look at 7-Eleven, they're, they're full of Illy and Starbucks in, in the can. And that's why we don't rush to the market with a single-serve right now. We just don't have the horsepower to take yeah. them on. Yeah. So mm. No, it's, but it's, it's demonstrating it that is, clearly it is. there's a hunger exactly. for it out there. And in fact, uh, I think Pete's Coffee just this week announced a new distribution wing where they're going to be distributing their cold coffee with their own vehicles mm. in kegs and bottles and cans, which I think is beautiful because these big brands like Pete's and Starbucks can actually – open up the market right. to the mainstream right. Right. much right. faster right. than a small company like right. us. So we, we welcome that. Um, we actually have a direct store distribution model in California that we've rolled out where we put in the keg cooler, the kegs, uh, the cups, everything a, a customer needs to know and have to go into the cold coffee business tomorrow. Hmm. And so we started that in October, and we've been adding accounts uh, every day to pretty much – it's, it's kind of aimed at independent coffee bars, bakeries, restaurants. Uh, for example, Pickles and Swiss downstairs has our, our pro- program, um, or upstairs. <laughs> yeah. So those kind of places that now they can actually have one of the most relevant coffee programs going on. They can now compete with the big brands like Starbucks, who's pouring cold coffee on tap in uh, last year, 500 of their locations, and they're soon to roll out uh, many, many more. Yeah, but there and and again, not to not to pick one company over the other, but like when when you say that the pickles and Swiss, mo- you know, it's sitting in pickles and Swiss, I'm looking at that going. You don't have to go through the barista exactly to to get your cold cup. You don't have to. They don't have to write your name on a cup and wait at the end of the line. Exactly. This is this is a stable platform that you can count on. Yes. But without having to kind of do this loop, leaping through hoops to get to it. So, uh, stable platform reminds me. Um, Last year, we went out and visited your shop, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating. 
Uh, and there's a whole part we couldn't go see because that's right. the secret part where you do all of you this. You gotta stuff. love a coffee company that has secret places. I totally that's did. Like, I like, totally did. It's like, no, can't take any pictures of the I'm, secret I'm sorry, part. This is this is yeah. off limits. That's secret R and D. But that's when you talked about stable, which I and again I didn't understand that um, coffee for people who really like coffee. You want to, for me, I want to drink it 30 seconds or less after it's been pulled. Yes. Right? I mean, I want it right Because it then. starts dying. Immediately. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, why? No, oh, come on, doctor. Why yeah. is that? It's the same reason your wine starts dying. It's ex- it's so similar to red wine that it's, it's yeah, it's so similar. Because it's very hungry for oxidation. And oxidation is the rust on your car, right? So what happens when your car starts to rust? If you don't fix it immediately, it's... Bye-bye. It's going to start right. disappearing right. before your eyes. So the same thing. Once you brew coffee, the same thing happens. It's like that's why an espresso is best shoot it Instantly. and drink it. Right. right. I mean, uh, pour it and shoot it. Right. So the same thing applies. And so I've figured out how to, to change all of that, put it in a keg, pour it on tap, and now we're so confident that that process is secure that we've actually now introduced or in the process of introducing a hot version of that where we actually can take a keg and pour the contents through either a cold tap or through a hot tap using a special machine that we've uh, worked on the design. That heats it that on the heats fly. heats it on demand, yeah. What, so. <laughs> the term special machine always catches me off guard. I think that what, black box. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, so you have a custom-made machine, right? Yeah, can we exactly. just like, we have, we have our own custom technology. It's a special machine it is. where this incredible miracle happens and snake oil comes out the end. No, yeah, so, so the, the cool thing about this is this is where it's all disruptive because, you know, great craft beer, fine wine is all brewed and vented off-premise, right? It's done at the, the brewery or the, the vineyard or the, the vintner and then delivered in a good container, either yeah. a bottle, now also kegs, mm-hmm. cans. And when the, the uh, retailer receives it, they're able to, to pour a really good experience for the consumer. And, right. and, and as a manufacturer of wine or beer, they know that 99.99% of the time, their consumer is going to get a good experience. In my business, coffee, I don't have that security. It could be 60% of the time or 40% of the time that my consumer is actually going to get a good experience because so many things can go wrong after I roast the coffee, delivered to the restaurant. The restaurant brews it with substandard water. In Santa Barbara, it's all substandard water. Right. Unless they right. invest in right. high-quality reverse osmosis water filtration. And many restaurants don't. So... That's always been an issue for us. It's like we can produce fantastic tasting coffee. It gets delivered to our customer, and they can mess it up so easily. And we get the rap for producing bad right. coffee, right? Right, right, So right, I, right, I've been looking, right. how can we change that for years? Oh, so this is, this is my— This closes, this closes this, the this brewing closes, because they're does. not brewing it. They're, they're pulling it from the keg. So now we can use perfect water, a, a, a perfected brewing uh, technology, put it in a keg, eventually a can or a bottle, deliver it to the—, to the retailer who can in turn dispense that for the consumer and know that they're getting um, a quality product, poured as it was meant to be, zero waste. So a keg is good to the last drop. There's no, mm-hmm. uh, there's, we're also saving 80, you know, bottles or cans or plastic cups that aren't going to go to the landfill in an on-premise establishment. And so there's a sustainability factor there that I think everybody can appreciate. And then from a from a, re- a retailer or a restaurant's s- s- uh, viewpoint, now they have a product that they can depend on 
that they don't have to worry about going through that product at any speed. When the keg's tapped and done, it's done, and the ones that are halfway full are still good and stable. So you don't have to, like for me, when I walk in, I'll, you know, it, it might be an odd time of day into a mm-hmm. restaurant, and I, I want a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I said, would you please make a fresh pot? Exactly. Right, because I want to, because like it might have been sitting there since lunch, for instance. Right. Guaranteed, it's been sitting there since lunch. Yeah, yes. guaranteed. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is this is when you walk in and there's AirPods. You know, there's this line exactly. of AirPods. Air right. And you pump an air on the coffee. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I th- I'm sorry. So, We're, so the point is that it's it's fresh brewed every single time. Yes. And the other thing I learned when I was on the tour is that it it has that quality for what 90 days. So our kegs are guaranteed stable for 90 days. Yeah. Okay? Um, we actually have a product that we just got listed on Amazon. So we're the first kegs listed on Amazon of anything because we can ship what? kegs via UPS. And it's a PET container keg that is uh, designed to be UPS. It's a full 20-liter keg, 5.16 gallons. They can ship anywhere in America via the UPS truck. UPS guys got to love the. the yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's like 50 pounds. Yeah. Uh, fulfilled by Amazon. And um, that's really cool. So that literally just went up in the last month. And, you know, we're, we're getting orders from it. Small business or home? Um, it's, it's really aimed at it's whoever opens up their Amazon and Googles cold coffee or, you know, searches cold coffee and up comes our keg. It's like, oh, wow. And the other cool huh. thing is, you huh. know, there's a whole underground, like, primarily beer drinkers that have kegerators in their home. So if they have a keg cooler, they can couple this into a keg cooler. What's, do you know the retail on that? What? Yeah, it's 100 and, it, Amazon sets the final price. It's somewhere between 110 and $125 a keg. And it's 20 liters? Delivered. 20 liters. So it's a five gets up. It's a one six barrel keg. I'm just trying to do my. I'm trying to do my math there. I'm trying to do like my my retail cost of like if I go to the store, if I go to the, the coffee shop, three dollars every day. It's like a dollar to dollar fifty per serving, depending on the cup size. So which yeah, which creates. I mean, when you're looking at it going, I I have a pretty consistent habit. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and you're looking at at, at ninety days. And at 90 days, uh, mm-hmm. my habit, you know, times three is uh, $270. But, but it's really aimed towards early adopters because yeah. our, our long-term plan is to have um, major distributors in every corner of the United States, um, including in self-distributed in California, how, how we're doing now. We have this direct distribution program. So we'll use that model to grow into other markets. I'm trying to imagine the, the moment where you, you have 100% of your work and you've, you've slaved over this and you've broken your back to make this really incredible product and you hand it out and, and t- t- it's only 60% is good. You know, like that's got to be brutal for you right. to like, to like right. I mean, that's like clearly that, that's what was motivating you. Well, that's for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about the coffee business. I mean, I've been in it this long and sure, there, like I said, I, I got bored. I got bored with mostly what you just said. I got yeah. bored with the idea that I can't ever deliver yeah. a, a really high quality experience for the customer. Because there's there's all these middle Exactly, things that I it. cannot control. Yeah. So it's all, it, I'm a control freak. It's all about controlling the quality <laughs> of the product. Might, from be, might be the amount of coffee. <laughs> 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 might be. So, but, but that is, I mean, we have a lot of, uh, we have high hopes for this uh, hot tap because the application for that is is now we so can take, it's called hot tap. We call it a hot tap. We can take a, a catering company now can easily pour coffee to five or six hundred people, right? Yeah. Or a, 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 
Stadium can now pour coffee to 70,000 people. Okay, does it still, so... Oh. Does it still come out? It's still got the carbonation in it? I mean, or not? That's it, not the right term. The nitro... Nitro has nitrogen, yes. But, but it has the tiny bubbles? It has, yeah. So it looks... It you pours kind of like a... a face Kind of like a Americano. Sure. So an espresso-based right. coffee. Mm. No, so it's got... It's visually appealing. Visually, it's appealing. It still has the nitrogen falling. You'll see the nitrogen yes. slowly rise. A yeah, little yeah. faster In than... In the hot. Yeah, a little yeah. faster than the cold product. So... Um, so I was a, our listeners know I was a chef back in the okay, day, yeah. and so refresh speeds on heat. So you get a pan hot, mm-hmm. the example. You get a right. pan hot enough to sear. As soon as you put cold food into it, boom, the it the heat goes down. How quickly can you keep the heat at a constant temperature? Okay, so that's exactly. a big deal. French fries. That's why French fries are very hard to get perfect. perfect yeah. Right. So how does your Hot, your magic device, which we talk about easier. Not how, does it? <laughs> there you go. Does okay. it keep up with, like if you're at Dodger Stadium and you're pouring coffees? Yes, it does. Really? So the, the device that we have um, can, pretty much you can pull the tap panel and just let it pour. Was that invention so the, on your part or you so, partnered? So I invented what I thought was a, a really good device and I did some... Um, <laughs> patent searching and found yeah. actually there's a company that actually had a patent already on a product that was similar for a different product. Yeah. And so I went to them and said, look, let's collaborate. And so we did. We developed a product. Uh, and um, You're holding your hands apart like it's a bread box. No, but yeah, it is. Thank you. Because it is. It's that big. It's, it's literally the, you know, the size of a – it takes up it's less space than a traditional coffee brewer. No kidding. Yeah. It, it, it draws a pretty good amount of power. Right. But what it does is it's, it, it heats up that product on demand. And it will pour just consistently. So if you need, you know, let's say, I mean, it'll keep up with a, a beer tap sitting next to it, pouring Budweiser to a bunch of baseball fans. And you can pour coffee to the, to the 30 to 40% of those people who might actually want a cup of coffee in between their beers at that ballpark. Hot beer. That well, sounds great. And so before, that was never possible. Because you imagine, let's, say, let's just say the number is 30,000 people at a 70,000 people event. Right. Um, how many people can actually order a cup of coffee and get it served during four hours? I mean, there's, there's no physical way to brew that much coffee in right, four hours. Right. You can't do it. It would take days. AirPods. So, <laughs> and so, and it's because of that. It's, it's, it's not just heating the water, but it's the, the drip out right, time sure, and all this sure, associated, sure, sure, the sure. preparation time that goes with making coffee. And the waste. And, and then, yeah, and then it's, it's going to be a terrible cup because you're going to have all this stuff brewed in advance and it's going to be... The clock's ticking and it's oxidizing and, and tasting terrible. I'm thinking about the coffee that was made uh, at uh, that, you, that you drink at 11:30 after church. That was <laughs> that was brewed <laughs> at 5:30 when the little old lady got there into the giant yes. uh, container, six to seven gallon. Yes. Uh, you know, right. and, and then it's just been boiling. Yeah, I you guarantee know. that this product tastes way better. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can make that guarantee. So we know that oxygen is the evil villain in this story. Um, where does heat factor in? Well, so heat, heat, heat factors in, but not as much as it does when, it, when you're exposed to air. So you can Got heat it. a product up that's, that's anaerobic, we'll use that term, um, and it's not going to... It's not going to – the oxidation is not going to continue to take place. So, you know, that's, I think, where pretty much any food product, you know, we know we, we can heat it up. And if you let it sit in the heat too long, I mean, it starts to change. So, you, you know, that's why a buffet is never quite as good as, it's you know. It's decomposing, yeah, exactly, literally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but you, put, you can put that into a 
controlled environment, and that that length of time is added on a long time. That's why so, you put the fruit in Jello. So, for example, What's I think you know what 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 we find is in general when we pull the tap handle on our hot tap machine, the experience we get is superior to the experience we get in any restaurant that sure. we sell coffee to. That you're going to walk in and say, "Hey, I'm going to order a cup of coffee." And the problem is, is because that that coffee tasted best for five minutes after it was brewed. Right. Right. And so the first cups out of there were just fantastic. The like, bartender. That's exactly. why he thinks he's got good. And, and, and to me, that equates more to the hand poured experience that you're going to get at an upscale coffee bar that you right. pay five to seven dollars for a cup. That's not a scalable event. OK. Right. That's beautiful. That's how I drink my coffee at home. But you can't scale that in food service. So then so what's happening in food service is coffee's being brewed in advance, often two or three or four hours sitting there. Right. Um, even places like you know, coffee chains say, that, oh, we turn our coffee every 20 minutes. 20 minutes is really too long. If you taste the coffee when it first came out to 20 minutes, it loses a lot of life. Okay, It's still good, but it's not great. But isn't, but mm. isn't this also mm. uh, a, a matter of a group of people who have – I always feel like people who live in Ohio have just never been to California because cause otherwise they wouldn't – live in Ohio. And I think that the people... <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's okay, Ohio. We got yeah, you we back. Got you. We got you well, back. Yeah, but seriously, what are you doing in Ohio? Why right. you, you should come out here to California. Yeah. But it's it's that, that thing of, of uh, if you've never had that kind of moment with real coffee, with, with coffee that, that has, has activated your taste buds in the way that, that good coffee can, yeah. you literally don't believe that it exists. Yeah. You don't know. And once you do, you're searching for it forever. It wrecks right. you. <laughs> it re- we, right. Mark and I were talking about this at Coffee this morning where yeah. it's like it wrecks you yeah. for, for for the mediocre experience. Yeah. And you can no longer go back. And, you can go back and go, yeah. yes, I'm just drinking. You know, I just do without. That's, that's, what, that's what I've done. I just yeah. do without. But I mean, I, that's what I'm saying is like, so the, the market for you is not just getting a way to distribute quality coffee. It's it's the education of the of the, the, the users, of the people in the market to realize, oh, I want better coffee. It's actually a lot of people already want better coffee. So the market's actually already there. They're just waiting. Thank you to the coffee industry that's really done a great job educating the yeah. consumer that they can have better coffee at home and in their office and Restaurants still, it's still a, it's a, it's struggle. a, it's a, it's a crapshoot. I just it got is. done eating a $75 meal. It and was beautiful. The wine was excellent. Yeah. The, everything was excellent. And they go, would you like a, an espresso or a coffee? And you go, yeah, you know what? That yeah. would top and this it, off nice. Right. It and comes they, out, it's flat. There's no creme on just it. Just crap. They're just and, and, and the problem is it's not the coffee supplier. Yeah. Everybody's great making great coffee. You have to be just to be in the game. You have to produce great coffee. And so I hear all kind of this elitist snobbery that, oh, we've got the best coffee. Nonsense. We all have great coffee. But our, the method we deliver it and serve delivery it mechanism. is terrible. And yeah. so I aim to change that. To, to me, the problem has nothing to do. There's some great roasters. I, I've been in the industry for 30 years. There's great roasters everywhere. There's great roasters in Santa Barbara. How, there's, how many roasters are there in Santa Barbara? Oh, in Santa Barbara? I want to say that there's eight. one, two, three, four... Honestly, I know of at least four or five. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's more. But, yeah. but you know, and, and that's coffee roasting, kind of like craft beer. It's right. There's something popping open every yeah. every, every minute. Yeah. But nobody's doing anything innovative. So everybody's doing exactly what their predecessors have done. And the space gets more crowded. And to me, that is not exciting for me as an entrepreneur. Like, what's exciting to me is let's figure out – I don't want to create another elitist coffee, Okay. I want to figure out how to get great coffee to the top of the bell curve, mm-hmm, or you know, I want to mm-hmm. hit, I want to hit the most, the, the biggest piece of the bell curve where people just like good coffee and they don't have to spend 
a fortune to have it. And they don't have to stand in line at, at, at a Gucci coffee bar in downtown L.A. to, to pay 7 or $8 for a cup of it. Ben & Jerry's created a, a thirst for better ice cream. And, and, and even the, the mediocre ice cream had to then attempt to keep up with it. Yeah, you know, th- like like it wasn't this thing between like, well, I only eat Ben and Jerry's or I right. only eat whatever. They were just saying, you can have good ice cream. It doesn't all have to be this this flavorless, you know, whipped up milk. Like there mm-hmm. can be a quality uh, ice cream out there, and that really in- increased that that idea of people going, oh, you know what, I shouldn't tolerate, you know, crappy ice cream. I should attempt to have better ice cream. And that's that sounds like what you're saying is that you want to increase the conversation and, and improve the conversation yeah. about about quality of coffee. You don't have to be. Oh, I only drink at Starbucks. I only drink at Pete's. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's kind of embedded in our program is we actually do keg coffee for other coffee roasters. So Mm. So you'll take their coffee. We'll take their coffee and produce profoundly great-tasting nitro coffee with their coffee. So we have about eight brand partners we're working with right now. Is that a revenue stream you expected from the beginning? Um, At the beginning, beginning, here's what we found is – um, well, Spencer puts it best. He says, we found our technology is too good not to share. Yeah. And we also realized as a small company, the only way to really grow quickly is to share and collaborate. Um, that's one thing we found in the coffee business is that most coffee roasters aren't into collaboration. Keurig changed that a little bit because here they created this technology of putting mm-hmm. coffee in a cup. Yeah. And they invited other roasters to the party. So now you see all these different brands of coffee are available right. in, the, in the K-Cup. Right. I looked at that and I said, that's a cool model. So then I got to talking to people in the coffee industry, and I found, wow, nobody wants to collaborate. Everybody thinks, oh, no, 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 we got the best coffee. You know, they look at you across <laughs> down their nose. And I was like, well, wait a minute, guys. You know, this isn't – I'm not a coffee company. Well, it says Caribbean Coffee Company. You're right. So we – Was born the brand uh, Bonafide Brewing Company. Uh, and what we found is all of a sudden now they're willing uh, to collaborate with a brewing company uh, because we have something that's going to make their coffee taste great. And so that we look at – I'm going to say it's – it's a. It's about forty percent of our current sales. We expect That's that to actually shrink because our direct store distribution program is going very fast. And part of that just has to do with there's a service component and a expertise that has to be uh, executed at the retail level. And don't we just found the only way to do that is just go out there and do it. And then we find some of our distributors and our brand partners are modeling that too. So. Much of what you've already said to us is 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 kind of the the like the, the standard experience that clearly you as a large business owner ha- has had. Um, but you did say that part about like getting getting really t- like uninterested and and finding other distractions. Mm-hmm. What take take us through just real quickly because like so here's a person who's 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 got you know you've got your boat you've got your plane you've got you've got you've got all afternoon to do whatever the hell you want to do. How do you find your way back into your business and doing that mm. research and mm. learning? Because because mm. you didn't walk back into your business and say, "Hey, how how is coffee arriving in Seven Elevens?" You know what I mean? Like yeah. like like you had to go look. That's such a simple answer. Okay, oh. it's called divorce. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard that before from other people. Yeah, no, you take a haircut and it's like, wow, I really got to get it together. Um, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. So I found a lot of, I guess. You know, I went through a pretty hairy divorce several years ago, and I found a lot of um, just solace and peace in work, going to work. Mm-hmm. To, and I found that, wow, it's actually a, it's beautiful to have a job when you're going through a hard time because it's like it, it's a place you can escape. Right. And in that, I also realized I've got to fall in love with my business again. Mm. What am I going to mm. do to fall in love with my mm. business again? 
And um, ultimately, I've, I found this path to cold coffee. So and, that's really, you looked at it. You sat oh, down and, yeah. and, and just like spent completely. the mental time completely. to investigate exactly. yourself from the ground up. Because, you know, a divorce is a terrible time to sell your business, right? Yeah, so yeah. there's all these reasons you don't want to do that. And I was just looking at, and it also, it was, we were going into a real economic downturn at the time. Yeah. I mean, it was 08. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I was in the middle of a divorce, and my, my business was needed me, and, you know, I was taking a haircut financially, and I had all these things happening, and I do what I always do. I get up in the morning and put one foot in front of the other and, you know, just start walking and start dreaming and start thinking, where do I want to be 10 years from now? No, no, See, that's, <laughs> again, you said the real standard thing. I oh, just, you know, get up and push and push and push until that rocket's that's up the hill. That's what we do, bud. But then you said the secret. You started Dream, dreaming. Of course, right? yeah. Yeah. Which is allowing yourself that permission yeah. to say, I don't know what oh, this yeah, is going to look yeah, like yeah, at yeah, the right. end. Yeah, I don't so. know where this is going to go. And, and I, don't and know I, how to I think there. I also learned to get comfortable with that. I, I learned to just get comfortable with not knowing and mm. just really getting Trust. into the present Trust. and saying, you know, what can I do right now oh. that yep. makes a difference? Yep. Wow. And so I also very quickly, you know, found who my real friends were, which was a pretty short list. Yeah. And I don't mean everybody else was an enemy. It's just people that, I could re- that were really could understand what I was going through. And pretty much I got the same feedback. It was like, well, well, focus on what you can do right now. Focus on today. Focus on this moment. Yep. Yep. And, and yep. don't worry yep. about what you don't know. Yep. And I did that. And I just started one step at a time and, you know, reconstructed my business, my personal life, and you know it's beautiful. I mean, I wake up in the morning and it's beautiful. Did you? But do you do you think in two thousand eight, that like if somebody had walked in and said, "Hey, don't worry," <laughs> by two thousand seventeen, <laughs> it's, it's going to be beautiful again? Yeah, like yeah, I, I actually don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it feels like there's there's a multiple opportunities for you with this. One would be licensing the production technology mm-hmm. and technique and having that out so that bonafide brewing is a thing and it's you know it's there's a like even a logo on the can you know yeah. so we know that yeah, was bonafide inside ex- exactly so well, that sounds one, like he's thought about this before <laughs> yeah yeah that's one model um food traditionally though is such a low margin business mm-hmm. i mean it's because I was a chef for years sure. and and people are always, you know, hey, Mark, why don't you sell your soup or make your cookie, whatever Very it is. Very exciting. Like, Very exciting idea. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you absolutely have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yet here you've been able to, you know, there's, the failure rate is so high. Yes. What, what do you think it is that's made it so you could be in business since you were 22? Um, I'm not afraid to pivot. You know, I, okay. I have no ego in what I'm doing right now. I mean, seriously, you can't because of what you just said. There's so many things going on, and people find out about things so quickly. Yeah. Um, it's just tomorrow is going to be a different day with a whole different situation, and so you can't get caught up in yesterday. You have to just keep moving. Like and if you'd got, if you were like, no, I'm going to make the hot brew thing. I'm not going to collaborate with the people. Yes, who, exactly. Like, and so for for, and I think that's got me safely to where I'm at. And I don't feel like I'm carrying around a lot of baggage of, oh, I missed this opportunity, didn't do that. Right. And so I think that's really important. And I also think that's something that everybody can do. You know, it, it may take some work on yourself, but you, I think everybody can, can get focused on the moment, get focused on what they're doing right now, and stop you know, giving into fear about what they don't know. So somehow I've got good at that, good enough to you know, be where I'm at today. And, um, you know, I... You, you mentioned, you know, there's so many places you can go with this. So that is a challenge. It's like, you know, you could say, well, 
wow, there's so many places you can yeah, take no, this. Exactly. It's scary. I don't get scared at it. I look at it, you know, things kind of fall into place. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mm-hmm. just let the universe delivers. So yep. I like to say yep. that. Sure. And so um, right now I've got a deal, I'm going to say a deal pending with a, a large multinational um, beverage company. And they're very fascinated with what we're doing. So, you know, we're also in the middle of a funding round. And so, you know, it's the talks on the table of them actually taking care of that for us. Right. And now we'd now have right. a big brother, a big partner yeah. that yeah. we could actually, yeah. you know, take our technology. Have and, a mothership. Exactly. And grow with. So that's very appealing to me because sure. I love to collaborate. I love to, to grow. And so here's a chance to actually have this mighty mentor and to, to grow with them and have something that, that I've created that can, you know, scale with them. It makes a difference. So that's super exciting for me. You know, maybe that deal won't be come together. Something else will. Right. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so the fun thing is, is that, you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> I have a tactical question. Sure. Because I love the strategy. And, and I think that for the entrepreneurs who are listening, that last five minute riff was applicable to any business. I mean, it's it, directly well, applicable. Tactical. Because um, I remember at your facility, with coffee, all the various blends of coffee and all the various locales where they, you know, the, the provenance of the coffee and then all the flavors of coffee, you kind of get into this crazy inventory problem, mm-hmm. like insane inventory problem in my mind. It's not like one coffee yes. that you do. How have you figured that out? Well, so that's a really good question. And we made a few mistakes. We actually hit the market with like six products. We probably should have done two, right? Um, but what we also found is because of our our stability of our product, um, it takes some of that concern away because now it gives you a buffer. It gives us a big buffer, right? Mm. So we're not so concerned about like roasted coffee has a very short shelf life. So you come into our roasting facility and you see not a lot of roasted coffee in the shelf and mostly coffee in green coffee sacks. And most of our coffee is in a warehouse in San Francisco because it doesn't make business sense to start in Santa Barbara. So you have this constant just-in-time inventory. Right, right, right. right. But as soon as it goes into the keg, <coughs> right, now, now we have... Everything slows uh, down. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. We have, we have 90 days to figure it out. So even then, though, we've, we also realize that the market is very new when it comes to uh, cold coffee, nitro coffee. People aren't demanding, oh, I want, you know, seven different varietals and six blends. Right. They want a really good nitro coffee. Maybe now they want a dark roast and a light roast. And so we still hold true to origin statements. Um, we're, we really, ideally, all of our products are um, organic. Um, and we, we do some non-organic coffees because we have some partners that aren't, you know, organic coffee producers. But um, it, we, we find that there's a few things that are really important to people, and authenticity is And what one are those? It, it's auth- authenticity in the beverage. So that people want to know there's no preservatives, that it's uh, f- you know, er- organic, fair trade coffee, um, that it's, you know, the origin is, is, is there. They can understand where it's you know, grown. Some people want to go deeper. They want to know what farm it was grown at and this and that. And we can do that. In some instances, we do. Um, but we also find that that is not actually as important at this juncture as it is in the mainstream coffee business. I think that's because, too, you know, you, there's a lot of purists in the coffee business that have a loud voice that hasn't kind of trickled or spread over to the cold coffee side yet. Also, it's a very niche 
it's still a kind of a niche market. Mm-hmm. Um, I read recently it's the fastest growing segment of the coffee industry. It's the cold segment. And uh, there's $46 billion of retail value in the coffee business in America. It is clearly the fastest growing piece of that. Um, you know, how that's all you know calculated, I don't know all the, the details. I do know that right now it's much easier to place keg coolers with cold coffee and tea than it was two years ago. Right? right. We don't have to explain it anymore. People are like, oh, I've seen this product. I want to try right. it. They bring their growler exactly. in and tap it off. And... M- McDonald's explained it. Yeah. They, they explained it, they explained <laughs> well, it to Middle America well, by they, serving 32-ounce <laughs> cups of iced coffee. They did. And and that's the that's the, the, the uh, gateway drug yeah. to nitro coffee. Right. I mean, We're back to crack that, for kids. We are. Yeah. And, and that's why we also do the – the Vietnamese coffee, we call it a, a sweet nitro latte now. We found that that's oh. a, that, that term is better understood in across you know all of our uh, market. Um, but essentially, it's it's, it's, Vietnam, it's strong coffee, coffee with uh, milk and sugar, right? Yeah. And so that product has a it has a really great engagement with people that aren't quite ready for a purist coffee. But we also find that most people that pull the tab panel on our nitro coffee aren't inclined to put cream and sugar in it. They're like, wow, this is this tastes, is, this tastes delicious. It's right. yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah, 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 right? Because right, it has right. this really creamy right. mouthfeel. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, show scheduler, Amy, mm-hmm. is addicted to that coffee. <laughs> she uh, she, well, now she just... Can, now she can purchase it on Amazon yes, and have it at home. Exactly. I love it. Unfortunately, we come to the end of our coffee conversation, but we come to the beginning of the fun part. Uh, for me and for our listener is um, where we get to put a title on the show. So we get to put a bow around this thing. And uh, because what happens is they're going to get their phone and this episode's going to pop up and they and they don't know who you are yet. Uh, So it's the title that's going to uh, entrance them Mm. to listen. What's the title of the show? How about... uh Disruption and conscious capitalism and how it relates no, to coffee. No, no, yeah, no, no. Okay. no. We got to ixnay on that from our jury. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a pretty that's real time market validation <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, do you guys ever come up with these names? No, nope. it's always nope. yours. Four it's words. Yet. Four words. And and guess what? We have all the time and extra <laughs> really? discs oh, to record. Gotcha. Four <laughs> words. Oh, what didn't you like about that title? You you buried the lead. I buried the lead. Burying the lead is, you know, like like this is a coffee conversation. Okay. And and what this will this conversation will really appeal to people who are business people, right. uh, who listen to this podcast, but also want to engage in the the the, the craft coffee conversation. Hmm. Um, and you don't have to be too smart for them. Reinventing my business in nitro coffee. The reinvention of nitro coffee. The reinvention, to me, it's the reinvention of the transformation or reinvention of, of a business. Yeah. So. Mark's just writing. I see that. I want you to ask your partner. Oh, Spencer. <laughs> That's Spencer. Because Spencer, um, Spencer is has got away with words. He's he's Spencer's um, in. Uh, he's quite good. Yeah, yeah. And he he's your your he does the social. For, yeah, he's um, our creative. He has creative director. He's the creative yeah. director for the company. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. You get a. Blanket. You get a pass. Oh, good. What? Sp- he does. I've never first seen time you ever. issue a pass. First, only because I know Spencer, <laughs> and Spencer's listening. So this is one of those things like Spencer got volunteered for this job because he didn't show up. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's at, Spencer's actually on the beach in um, uh, Puerto Vallarta as we speak. Right. As he should be. Working, yeah, working exactly. hard. Working hard. Yeah, he's worked very hard for the last two years. No, he's a yeah. he's he's yeah. a, a great supporter of of what we do. You both are of Thank what you. we do at TEDx. We appreciate that, and uh, we'll, we're going to be asking you back November 11th. Here okay. in Santa Barbara. Sure. I appreciate the, the several hundred cups of nitrous coffee I've had. Nitro. <laughs> Nitro. 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 is the laughing gas you get at the dentist's office. Oh. Hey. <laughs> you've, you've, you've had to correct that mistake. Oh, yeah. I could tell. I, I'm, I'm thinking about trying something with it because that sounds like. Yeah, it sounds wow. great. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Nitrous. Yeah. Now yeah. we have sweet crack for adults. We have yeah. sweet nitro latte on nitrous. <laughs> I love that. John, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and award-winning Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, best place to work in the 805, and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note, partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, yeah, listeners waiting to hear some wise way that they could help <laughs> help us the show help yeah. us well they want to help us they love us yeah sure well i'm you know communicate that to your friends uh take control of their phones have have hold a residency on their phone for just a few seconds just a few moments just long enough to subscribe to this show click the podcast app and uh search for 805 conversations and then uh hit subscribe uh give them access this will be the gift that keeps on giving uh and they can continue to listen to the show of course as always rate write review i say that so often and yet so many of you just let it coast over your face they should pause right now and go rate, to itunes rate and do it. write or review or all three let us know what we're doing right let us know what we're doing wrong um correct us uh in our mistakes because we want to get better at this with you and with your help speaking of correcting us um i got taken to school on photonics that does not surprise me Right. And so electronics. How is, how is Alan doing? So he's great. And electronics is the um, is electrons. Yeah. Moving. I hadn't put those two together, but I'm not that guy. Okay. And photonics. I says, is, is it putting photos together? Photons. <laughs> it's photons. Okay. Yes, I learned that. So yeah. uh, for and we have a we have a lot of listeners in the photonics industry. It surprises uh, me not at all. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Yeah, we're big, big in the photonics. Very, very huge. Alan right now is texting all of his photonics buddies saying, oh, oh my God, wait till you listen to the end of the show. Thanks, Alan. Uh, I would love to hear from you if you've got questions or if you've got an idea for a guest. That's exactly how the show grows um, and has grown and continues to grow. Drop me a note, please. Uh, Mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We love all you guys. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester your host for 805 Conversations.